You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet as if it were a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua And Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights.
Thank you, Father, again for this time. Be with us, we pray. Still our hearts. Open our ears to your word. Be with me to speak truth. And help us in these next few minutes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, in thinking about prayer uh, this morning, I was really encouraged um, by uh, one of the prayers that Andre actually prayed um, as um, Andre and Catherine and and I, we'd spent some time praying for you all, praying for us all during the um, beginning of this service. And um, Andre prayed that because of the sermon, we would feel closer to God. Uh, and I just love the way that, um, you know, God's Spirit led Andre to pray that because really that is a wonderful summary of the text that we get to look at today in Exodus 24, this sense of being close to God, um, being close to God. Um, I wonder if in your life there's some things that, uh, that are precious to you that get better and better the closer you get to them. Uh, I can think of, um, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe some, maybe they're a bit menial things, but I, I, I really love the uh, the precious stone, uh, an, an opal. I'm not sure if you're familiar with an, what an opal looks like, but from far off, it kind of just looks like a bit of a white rock. But the closer and closer you get to an opal and you get to stare into its beauty and you see the different colours, the closer and closer you get to that precious stone, the better and better it looks. Um, and if you ever have the chance to look at an opal through one of those little microscope things, it looks even more beautiful, even more amazing. Now, that's just, that's just an opal. That's a, a non-relational rock. Uh, we all have people in our lives, I know, I'm sure, that the, the closer and closer we get to them, uh, the, the, the better and better the better and better it is, isn't it? Um, kids, maybe, uh, maybe it's being with mummy and daddy. Um, it's not good when mummy and daddy go away, uh, but when mummy and daddy are close to play with you or when mummy and daddy are close to give you a cuddle, that is um, better and better the closer and closer they get. Now, this text we look at today, uh, the big idea, if you could sum it up in a word, it would be closeness. It would be closeness. Um, and I think the refrain that we see in this passage is the closer and closer we get to God, the better and better we find him to be. The closer and closer we can get to God, the better and better we'll find him to be. Uh, this is a wonderful chapter that really encapsulates so much of the entire Bible story, and um, we'll take a few minutes to unpack that and look at that um, together. Really important just to build a little bit of context as to where we are in the story of Exodus up to this point as we dive into this, this theme of closeness. Um, Moses, up to, up to this point so far, um, we've seen that Moses has been, um, been drawing closer and then further away from God. Moses has been doing uh, what looks like some hill sprints um, up and down Mount Sinai a few times. Um, and it's been what we've what we read today in the the message that Moses delivers in Exodus 24 when he comes before the people and as Matt so wonderfully was able to teach us and the kids there was a response from the people and it was what what we have heard we will do now what the people have just 
heard has what have been what we've been looking at as a church over the last two weeks. So if you remember over the last two weeks, we've we've read the Ten Commandments, and then we've we've heard we from so we heard that from Joash and the intergenerational service, which I heard was amazing. Um, and I wish I didn't have to. I wish I didn't take a holiday because I missed out. Um, and then the week before, uh, we had uh, Pete Stephen from Geelong who talked to us about the other laws, um, other laws which uh, tell us uh, of the goodness of God and uh, of the wonderful ways that He takes care takes care of us. So this is what's being delivered to God's people in Exodus twenty four that we have here. What we have heard, we will do, says the people. Now Mo- the reason Moses has come down from the mountain is, as we saw in verse one. Uh, God has basically put out the invitation, as Matt was able to frame for us before. The invitation has gone out. It says, verse 1 and 24, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Worship from afar. Now this is, uh, as we come into this chapter, this is really staggering. Because up to this point, no one else has been able to go up the mountain except for Moses. Uh, the previous chapters before, God has says, God has said, mark a line around the mountain, because if anyone touches it, even if an animal touches it, it will die. But now God is inviting more people up. Now, the first time Moses went up, we can see what, so God's people are watching on and seeing what's happening. And what do they see when they look at God? What is their perspective of God as they look at God from afar? So far, we've seen in Exodus 19, the perspective of God from the people at the base of the mountain has been terrifying, (laughs) terrifying. Exodus 19 verses 16 to 20 describe it this way. There's a bit of context for what they're seeing. Thunders and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain. This is what the people are seeing. Thunder, lightning, a thick cloud. And they're also hearing God's presence, a very loud trumpet blast. And the response is so that all the people in the camp trembled. It says Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. It says the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And Moses is invited to go up into that. Now, God's people are standing back from afar and this is what they're seeing and this is how they're feeling. The very earth under their feet is shaking. They're trying to block their ears from the loud trumpet blast. They can see and smell smoke. They can see lightning and fire and they are terrified of the very presence of the Lord, which they are viewing from this far off perspective. And God has said, no, do not come any closer. Do not come any closer. And then we get to this astounding passage, which in verse 1, God says to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and 70 of the other elders, and worship from afar. And check out, check out what happens when these people respond to God's invitation to come closer to this terrifying sight of thunder and lightning and fire and smoke and earthquake and trumpet. Check out what happens as they come closer to God. 
Exodus 24, verses 9 to 11. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. It's beautiful. As they draw nearer to God, as they get close, and God, the Bible still tells us they, they are still afar. God has said, "Come up and worship from afar." So they're still, they're still, uh, they're they're a little bit closer, but they're not as close as what they could be. And what are they seeing as they get closer to God? They they're simply at this stage. They get to see the path to His feet, and they're like, "I like that path. That is a nice path. This." Look at the road up to the God. All, all, all of that, that path is, that's, that's inviting. That is beautiful. And this fierce, this, this fearsome, terrifying, all-consuming, holy God, he's, he's called us here and, and, and what are we doing? He's, oh, sit down, eat, drink, commune, spend time being closer to me. And I'm going to call this worship. Moses and Aaron and these 72, they have drawn near to God and their perspective that was once smoke and thunder and fire, as they get closer to God, it is now precious gems. Sparkling. Shining. Inviting. Comforting. Beautiful. I wonder if this is how you know God to be. I wonder if your perspective on God is the one who is the all-consuming, terrifying, smoke-filled, thunderous, trumpeting fire. Or I wonder if you know God from this perspective of precious and inviting and beautiful that that you want to approach more. I wonder even in this even in this chaotic season that we're in, where our daily rhythms of life are being constantly interrupted, I wonder if as you think about maybe from a more existential posture or maybe as you become more philosophical or as, or maybe as you consider your identity as a follower of Jesus, I wonder if even in this moment that we're in now as followers of Jesus during a time of pandemic and constant change, I wonder if you see God as, as someone that actually you want to draw near to or I wonder if you see God as someone that actually you've got to stay back because maybe he's a bit scary. We need to remember as, as followers of Jesus, as, as God's people, that, that uh, before we let our forgetfulness or before we let the world tell us what God is like, we need to remember what the Bible tells us that God is like. 
And we get this little snippet in this in this chapter of as you get closer and closer to God, the better and better you will see him to be. Now, this is only just in Exodus 24, isn't it? The closer and closer we get to God, we see the, 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 the pavement leading up to God. We, we're beginning to see God's feet. You know, this is a verse for the podiatrists in the room, you know. <laughs> we can also remember, though, that we not only have this passage about the description of God, we have the rest of the Bible, don't we? We have God revealed to us throughout all of Scripture. We have God revealed to us in Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, God incarnate, God who puts on flesh, God who comes to meet us. And we know that this this, this God, that our God, that your God, that he is a God of, of light. Do you need some light to shine into the darkness of your life? God is light. You can, you can remember that, 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 that as you draw closer and closer to God, you can remember that the, that the God revealed in the Bible is he's a God of, of, of rest. Do, do you need rest in, in a time of constant change or in a, in a, in a, from a, because you're living from a posture of constant striving? You can, you can remember that God is rest. What about in the season that we're in? Do you need hope? God is is hope. Do you need forgiveness from a guilt that you carry each and every day, from actions that you regret that you've done? Do you need mercy? God is God is merciful. God is light, God is rest, God is hope, God is merciful, He is holy, He is a rock that will never move, He is a provider, He is a king, He is your king, He is your creator, He is your heavenly Father, He is your redeemer. And God is love. God is love. So before, before you, you buy into the lies that maybe the deceiver wants to whisper into your ear, before you, before you think of God simply from the posture of being this fearsome thing that you can never, never ever approach, you have, to, you have to also remember that actually this God, the closer and closer that you get to him, the better and better you'll find him to be. This is a passage that talks about a closeness to God, a closeness to God and how getting closer to God is, is good. Well, then what's the obvious question then as we, as we consider drawing closer to God? We have to ask, well, how is, it, how is it possible to get closer to God? How is it possible to get closer to God? Because as, one, as, as, as maybe wonderful as it might be to just waltz on up to the creator of the universe to call him Father, it's not that easy. We, as uh, God points out in the earlier chapters of Exodus, if you draw close to God without the invitation, you die. How is it possible to approach God? How is it possible to know closeness to God? Well, the answer to that question is in considering how this text points us to Jesus. 
Now we must see uh, proceeding to where we what we looked at in verses nine to eleven before the Aaron and and Moses and the seventy two got to eat and drink and dine with God and sit in worship before Him. There was something very specific that needed to happen, wasn't there? There was something very specific that needed to happen. Now I'm not going to go through reading all of it, um, but there is one word that would sum up. What has to happen before people are drawn near? And Matt very beautifully was able to outline that people need the invitation, but there's also the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood. So you see, as Moses comes down off the mountain after God says to Moses, bring up the elders and bring up Aaron with you, uh, there's a promise that has there's a promise that is made here there's a, there's a covenant that is made um, there is a moment here where there is the slaughtering of animals where there is a burnt offering and there is a peace offering the burnt offering uh, a burnt burnt offering uh, uh, the uh, the ceremony of which sins are atoned for of which uh, if 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 you are guilty before a holy god um there must be death. Blood must be shed. So there is a burnt offering. There is sacrifice before God. An animal is burnt. And then there's also a peace offering. Peace offering, which points to, it's also called, can be called a fellowship offering, uh, where that points to the communion with God and things being okay with God now. This idea of, you know, if you ever have a dispute with someone, uh, and then, you know, there's a bit of tension, uh, but then someone says, hey, are, are we good? Yeah, are, are we good now? Like, are, are we okay? Uh, you know, could, can we potentially, like, would it be all right for us to grab a coffee and it not be weird? Like, that's a little bit like what the peace offering or the fellowship offering is. Like, it's like, we're good now. An offering of thanksgiving. And see what Moses does with the blood of those offerings. He collects it into these basins and then the blood is thrown onto the altar. And then what does he do with the rest of the blood? It's a bit weird. Can anyone see? Verse 8, Moses took the blood and he throws it on the people. <laughs> they, get a, they get a little blood shower. They get a little blood, little blood baptism, little blood sprinkling. What's going on there? Why is Moses throwing blood everywhere? Well, two things. Firstly, in the way that they make a covenant together, in the way that God makes this covenant, in the way that there's this ceremony that symbolizes um, the, the cleansing of God's people and the preparing of their hearts in the way that they've received the word, word of God so they can say, yes, we will do these things, that blood represents that if they break the covenant, their blood will be shed. So blood has been spilled. This is, this is an image, this is a picture of, of if, if, if someone on both sides of the covenant contract, if you, if you break the covenant, then the, the, the guilty party, your blood is shed. See you later. Done. Death. But then there's another aspect of the blood, isn't there? As the blood covers the people. It means that as Moses and Aaron and those 72 elders go up onto the mountain and 
God sees that they are covered in this, they're, they're covered in this blood of this sacrifice, this sacrifice for their sins. They, they go up this, this mountain and there's this blood on their on their skin and, and in their in their clothes. And and what and what does God what does God see? And what does that blood represent? And what does it remind the people of as they look at that blood? They go, something has died in my place, so that when I go into that all-consuming fire that is God, I am not going to die. There has been a substitution, hasn't there? That rather than them dying in terms of coming into the holy presence of God, that animal died, didn't it? There has been substitution. That when God sees them, rather than him punishing them for, for their impurity, God sees the blood and he goes, okay, something else has taken that punishment. I can, I can turn away my, my wrath from these people because there has been a sacrifice in their place, a turning away of wrath. If you want a theological word for that, that's called propitiation, turning away anger, turning away wrath. Blood is spilt. Blood is shed as a reminder of, 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 of what happens when we break our promises to God and when we cannot fulfill what it is we say we will do. But there's also the bloodshed that covers us, that protects us, that God gives us so that we can commune and draw closer to God and know how, how good he is, so that, we, the close, so that we can get closer and closer to God and so we can see that he is better and better and better the closer and closer we get. Blood is shed and not our own but a substitutionary sacrifice. Now, the question I asked at the beginning of all of this was, how is it possible for us to approach God? How is it possible for us to be close to God and to have a closeness with him so that we can know how good he is? How is that possible? And I said it was, was in the way that this text points us to Jesus. I'm going to read for us a passage from Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And that's a New Testament book. And this is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul the Apostle writes to the Ephesian church. And I think it's going to shed some light onto how we think about our, the way we approach Jesus and the way that we approach God and the blood that has been shed for us. Because we need to know that we no longer need to make any more animal sacrifice. We don't need any more blood sprinkling or blood throwing. Check it out, Ephesians 2, listen with me, 12 to 19. Remember, church, remember that you, you were once separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. So basically, you were not on God's team. You were far away. You couldn't come near. You had you're having no hope and without God in the world. Remember that you were that remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, verse 13, 
starts with the best word in the Bible, but, but now, listen to this, in Christ Jesus, you, you who were once far off, you who were once far off have been brought near. You have been made to be, to be closer. You have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. It says, verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in audiences, that he, Jesus, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And with that peace, listen to this, verse 16, and might reconcile us. Okay, we're good now. Reconcile, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Church, Exodus 24 points us to the beautiful good news of the gospel, that Jesus would live the perfect life we couldn't live, and that he would die in our place and that his blood would be sprinkled on us so that we would be covered and so that we can now enter into the most holy place to worship God and to spend time with him and to be at, be one of his people. It's the beautiful news of the gospel, the, the, the free gift of eternal life of being able to turn to Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Matt talked about the invitation that we all need to approach God. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus, as God in flesh, he also gives the invitation, doesn't he? If you're familiar with his words, in the Gospels, his opening line in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, repent. So that's turn from your old life, turn towards me, repent for the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. So turn towards me, follow me, come along. The kingdom of God is coming in. Come along and believe the Gospel, the good news that I have come, that I am going to die in your place so that you can be reconciled so that you can be joined back into fellowship with God and know him not as an all-consuming fire, but know him in all of his glory and his beauty and the relationship that he gives to us and then the gift of himself that he gives to us in his Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. That's how close we can get with Jesus. Access to God and then God dwelling in us by his Spirit so that we can at all times be able to approach him, no longer having to redo any sacrifices, no longer feeling like we've got to sit back all the time, but to just to be able to go, to be able to go to God in the full confidence that Christ has paid it all and we live from this wonderful acceptance that he's given us. This is one of the small ways that Exodus 24 points to the broad, wonderful story of the entire Bible. Now, there's so much more that I want to say, uh, but I'm mindful of time. Um, 
I want, would love to encourage you towards uh, thinking about the significance of meals uh, from this text. Uh, think about the meals and fellowship with one another. Think about how that applies to, say, the Lord's Supper. Think of how that applies to our final meal in glory with God. Uh, think about how, you know, the, the worship of, of God is uh, not only in the words that we say and the words that we sing and the thoughts that we have, but in the fellowship that we spend with one another and just being with God. There's so many things that I'd love to encourage you towards in just spending time in this text over the next week. Um, but what I'd really uh, love to do from this text is um, I'd love for us to really impact the way that we think about the next few days and not only and, and the distance that we might feel between God and one another during another lockdown. I want us to remember that I, I want us to see that from Exodus 24 that that there is an, a real, a very real, it points to a very real invitation from God that we can be close to him. And that it points to the, the, the very real and the very true and the very wonderful sacrifice of Jesus that makes that possible. And it should excite our hearts for what we now know is possible for an even deeper intimacy than sharing, you know, sharing a meal before God at the foot of a mountain. But actually that for those of us that truly respond to Jesus's invitation to repent of our sin and to follow after him, there is the gift of his spirit to be with us in our hearts, to take up residence with us so that everywhere we go is a place of it can be a place of worship, that we can worship God in spirit and in truth no matter where we are. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to go to the mountain. We don't have to go to all of these, you know, holy places. We can be with one another. We can, we can be with God in his word. We can come to him in prayer. And, church, let, let me remind you of that as we come into this COVID time of separation where maybe Maybe you're thinking that right now you don't need, you don't want to approach God or there's nothing that, you know, that, that you're not going to find any comfort in God. Remember that God has done everything that so you can approach him. And remember that the closer and closer you get to God, the better and better you'll find him to be. And that is made possible through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that is such good news. The good news of the gospel the free gift that Christ died for sinners. And he doesn't say earn it and deserve it. He says believe and receive. He says follow me, repent, believe, follow me. And let that change you. Let that, let that reform you. Let, let that mean that you can take rest in me every day. And let that mean that you can take risks for me every day in seeking after him. So church, I'm going to pray for us now. Um, and then I'm going to call us just to a time of um, open prayer Um in response to what we've heard. So let me pray. Um, let me pray for us. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this text in Exodus 24. We thank you for how it shows us that you are a God that invites your people, that invites your children to spend time with you, that your intention, that your plan was not to stand far off and to be um, absent from our lives, 
but actually you have done so, you have done this, the wonderful thing of making communion with you possible and that we can be um, close to you. Thank you for how this text points so clearly to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that in your life, death, and in your resurrection, you have turned away the anger from God for the sin that we have committed. We are sorry for that. We're sorry that we do things that we should not do and we don't do things that we should do. Help us to live for you in a way that knows your goodness and your glory and that is a true response to the gift of grace and to the love that you've shown us in all that you've done, revealed to us in your word. We pray that you'll be with us over these next few, these next few days and that we would know your closeness um, as so much other closeness has been taken away. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.